Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud of Compass podcast. This is Lori, your host. I'm here to talk about social conditions, our well-being, and how we relate to ourselves and the world. Today, I'm going to talk about the behavioral health perspective of internal and external circumstances. So I'm a behavioral health specialist. I've been a social worker for 20 years. I've studied human behavior, and I have been taught to, I'm not even going to say fix human behavior, although that's what many of my jobs have required or asked of me to do. I'm going to say more importantly, observe and assess and relate and provide interventions for and et cetera and so on. And that's incredible. Like I've loved my job. I love the clients I work with and I've gotten some really good results with people. Here's the concern that I have. Um, In 2019, I was hospitalized for suicide attempt. And it was a direct, I now know now, it's 2022, I've done some healing. I know now that that was a direct result of a provider, in fact, multiple providers, continuing to neglect what I told them was the concern. They didn't listen. They didn't hear me. And they didn't want to because they had their own preconceived notions. It's actually called implicit bias on what my problem was and how it needed to be fixed. That is not how I practice today. In fact, in that suicidal hospitalization, I was in the padded room and I'm not going to be ashamed of that because my emotions were so... This is what happens when somebody isn't heard and listened to. So when you see people fighting on the streets, when you when you see you know gang violence, and when you see um, powerful men dismissing you and devaluing you and dehumanizing you to the point where you feel yourself you don't deserve to exist, that is not an individual problem anymore. That is a social condition, and it is a symptom of how we are living our lives today. So when I was in the padded room and the nurses and the staff could not get to me, they refused me medication and they left me in there to, um, in, a, in, in a severe panic attack. And if you've ever had a panic attack, you know how incredibly terrifying they are. You know how explosive they can be. You know how just emotive they can be. And so, that's actually also called rape. It's also called a temper tantrum. It's also called misbehaving. It's called a shit ton of things, but what it really is. And what really was happening to me that month was that I was in such incredible fear. And I was in the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. And the response I was exhibiting to the world was fight. And internally, at that same moment, in my own internal navigation system, something came through, even as I was exhibiting those behaviors, and it said to me, you really need to get clear on what's going on here. There is no one, no one, no one in this world that knows 
what you've been through. They don't know how you experienced it. They don't know how you related to it. They don't have that information. Therefore, they only have, let's say 50% of the information, meaning whatever assessments are being made about you, this is the voice in my head, clear as day, you might want to reconsider how much value you place on other people's beliefs and expectations and shoulds. Because A, they don't know half the information. B, they do not have your best interest in mind. And C, you fucking better. You better get your best interest in mind because they don't have it. And if you're going to survive this, you must. You must start listening to yourself instead of the people telling you what your problems are. Now, at that point, I was, I was pretty clear about what my problems are and nobody was listening. And I propose that so many of us in this world also know exactly what our problem is and nobody's listening. Here's why I propose that because I've been working with you for 20 years. I've been working with the public for 20 years, coming to me, sharing with me their deepest, darkest secrets and shames and afraid to be themselves. Afraid to even know themselves, afraid to sit with themselves hating themselves, not liking themselves, ashamed of the self that is showing up. Now, I'm also going to tell you, in this place that I was in that was asking me to do so many things that I disagreed with but deferred to them, what was happening was that each and every time they, they each and every time I deferred what was best for me to them, I was harmed. They harmed me because we were shooting at the wrong, we were shooting at the wrong thing. And guys, if you, if you, want, if you want sort of success in your life, quote unquote, let's say you want a college degree. Um, it's not going to be very sustainable if you go get your fire department degree, your police degree, your law degree, because you want to be, have your own degree. You want to have your own, whatever you wanted to go to school for. It doesn't help. Oh, I want an education. Well, okay. we got to be clear about the education because otherwise we're wasting a lot of time and resources and we ain't getting anybody fulfilled right now. And so I was dehumanized to such an extent that I therefore internalized that and dehumanized myself. I was actually re-traumatized. This isn't the first time I felt this way. Most of my life has been in that space of, I know nothing, I'm gonna defer to you. I, oh, what do I know? I have no nothing to give this world. You have everything. And when I'm working with clients, that's a good thing because I really need to get out of my own way and I don't need to be the subject in somebody's story. I need to be listening to them, helping them tell me what's wrong. The worst part of my job has been diagnosing people. Why? Because it's a label that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And it goes on a piece of insurance paper. And guess what? It can be used against you just like mine was. That is, that is a side effect of the way that we've created our systems. But also our systems are not created for us to heal. They are created for us to maintain health maintain well-being, maintain status quo, maintain funding. If you go into any nonprofit today, 
their main concern is maintaining funding. If you go into any educational system today, their main concern is maintaining funding. If healthcare system, uh, criminal justice, et cetera, and so on. Well, I do understand that we can't do our jobs unless we have the funding. And I also understand that when you put profit over the value that the people you serve have, you are setting everybody up to fail. You are setting the bosses up to fail. You are setting the workers up to fail and you are setting the clients up to fail. Now, back to my spiritual experience. So it became very, very clear to me that I needed to start saying no to what other people thought was best for me because they were killing me. And I bet you they didn't even do it intentionally, except for you hear me saying the same thing over and over and over again. You think you might want to, you know, look in the direction I'm pointing. Oh, because I don't know. It's not that I'm stupid. I have 20 years of experience with behavioral health. You want me to change my behavior. I want to change my behavior. I'm actually suggesting to you an effective and efficient and sustainable way for me to do so. And you won't let me do it. And you keep telling me my behavior is bad. What the fuck? I mean, I'm laughing now, but it was, oh, I'm laughing because if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. It was a horrific experience. And one that so many of us feel in so many ways, in so many different environments, regardless of our skin color. And so back to the internal, external, they could see my behavior and they assessed it with half of the information. Nobody wanted to know what was going on inside because that would mean that they had to change the system. They would have to change their process. They would have to adapt. They would have to individualize, which by the way, if anybody's asking for that service, the American with Disabilities Act is my favorite bill of all time. This is your protection because systems dehumanize us to the point of being a number. Just like the women in prison that I saw yesterday who continue to tell me I am more than that number, and you are not listening. And this is why it's so emotional for me to talk about these things because each of us has our own internal wiring. Each of us, uh, there's very little, there's very few of us that actually have our internal system, whether that's you know anxiety or depression or um, a chronic fatigue or any, any, anything internal thoughts, anything internal isn't seen necessarily on the outside. Now we can make the argument that internal creates behaviors, but I'm also gonna make the argument that external circumstances are just as responsible for those behaviors. Because the things I was exhibiting were so far from who I was because I, my behavior, I could see it escalating. I could see it worsening. I could see it more despairingly. And it just kept, it just like, I, all I can think of is an eight-year-old in school. The first kid I worked with that had a behavioral health issue and the teachers blamed it on that child made me enraged. That child was having a temper tantrum. We might, we might want to figure out why instead of assessing why based on our own belief system. So internal and external. So we're all walking parallel paths, if you will. So one on one path is our internal um, wiring, what's going on, our nervous system. And then there's the external. And the external is where, you know, that sort of can go any which way. You can be the poorest person, you can be the richest person, but it doesn't really matter what did what. 
what really matters is that we understand that we internally often are at odds with our external circumstances in one way, shape, or form, and that those external circumstances ask things of us that then get interpreted in our nervous system as scary and threatening and dangerous. So I invite you to consider what if, what if, what if we started to learn how our own mechanics worked, meaning our own nervous system, our own rhythms. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm bipolar. So in the summer, I get tons and tons and tons of stuff done. I have a lot of energy. And in the winter, I really have to withdraw and retreat and rest as winter and nature suggest. So why am I going to pathologize that? That's a natural rhythm that I have. Once I knew how the rhythm was going, I can change it if I want. But if I don't know that this is the landscape, then I'm going to blame myself for this or I'm going to blame you for it. There's a lot of things we can do internally in terms of our thoughts, in terms of healing our nervous system, in terms of self-regulation, in terms of how we relate to what's happening on the outside. And I'm going to talk a lot about relationship in this podcast because I sincerely believe that it is in how we relate that our healing and our pain can be. The world is a relationship. You know, I, I relate to a higher power or I don't relate to it, or I relate to you and how I relate to you matters. How I relate to me matters. What does that relate relationship look like? Because for me, I was in an abusive relationship with this system and I needed to say no. And there were a lot of risks for me doing so. And the only evidence I have that that was the right thing to do is that I'm here talking to you today and I ain't going to shut up because I need you to hear this. I need you to hear that there are so many ways to get to where you want to go. I mean, we should have, we should know where we want to go. We should know how our own mechanics can help us get there because otherwise we defer to somebody else's thoughts and opinions and we internalize that as our value. And I'm going to leave you with this. When I, after I got out of that hospital, it took me a good another nine months to tell this program I was no longer going to be allow, allowing them to violate my bodily autonomy for one. And I got punished for that. So the more you know your own internal makeup, the more you know your own wiring and why you are doing the things that you're doing. I no longer give one rat's ass what anybody else thinks. And furthermore, my value and my worth are no longer up for public auction. I don't know how they ever got that way. That is how I've lived my life. Oh, I'm not good enough for you. Oh, got to change myself. Oh, you don't like me. Oh, what did I do? Oh, got to mind read, got to figure it out. Got to people please, got to, you know, whatever, et cetera, and so on. And those are symptoms of trauma. And again, I was 44 years old before I really realized my ACEs score was an eight. We have children today in very dire circumstances growing up into adults, and we are blaming them? Are you kidding me? Come on. I get it that we're all responsible for our own thoughts and feelings and behaviors. I also get that we better, who's going to cure cancer under conditions that feel like a threat every day of their lives? 
you just, it's not that simple. It's both and. Yes, hold individuals accountable and hold our collective selves accountable. Good God, we've dropped the ball a lot in, in our collective selves. And so I just really want to invite you to consider that there are, it isn't that the outside world needs to get better. Sometimes it's going to get a lot worse. I mean, again, there was some outcomes that looked bad on the outside in terms of my punishment and my legal debt. And I would, it, had I had it to do all over again, I would have started saying no sooner. But that's what happens in an abusive relationship. You get gaslit and you don't know what's, you know, which way is right. You doubt yourself and you don't have resources and then you're alone and then you're very scared. And thank God I had some supportive people in my life who loved me either way, whether I did X, Y, and Z or not. And I invite you to find your tribe. But I just want to leave us with that. There, that we have internal. What, what's going on internally? How are you relating to the world on a daily basis? Because this typically comes out when we're not in tune with that. It typically comes out with yelling at your kids when you don't want to or road rage. Or for me, I know when it comes out. It comes out when I'm very mean to service providers, for instance, you know, the drive through lady and the Walmart worker who are working, by the way, much harder than I am, probably more than one job, have their own lives that they're dealing with. And here I am coming in and making it worse because of my own dysregulation. That's where I take individual responsibility. And collective responsibility would be to ask why we're asking them to work that hard in the first place. Why are we reaching us all to such a level of burnout that the only solutions we see is to pick up a gun and go shooting or to cancel people or to um, just tune out and play more games on our phone. That's not a way to live. That's a way to keep people, for lack of a better word, enslaved. I know that's a term. I don't want to use it lightly. I use it with extreme respect. But that keeps people guessing, self-doubting, and leaning on you to tell them how to do things. And that is actually not how I practice. I don't, nobody comes into my room and I have their answers, but they do. And I need to point them there. I need to reflect back to them the best parts of themselves because ain't nobody else in their world doing that. And if I don't do that for them, I am letting them down and I'm letting me down because what that looks like when you don't do that as a therapist, is that 20 years down the road, you're resenting your clients, you're blaming them, you're thinking that they're just not trying hard enough, et cetera, and so on. And none of that is true either. That's a symptom as well of being burnt out and compassion fatigue. So I just want to leave you with that. Thanks. Uh, we'll talk again.